Hey, it's Sean, and today's episode is going to be slightly different. I'm sharing a webinar I recently did for athletes looking to succeed on and then off the field as they transition into the business world. Now, I cover 10 foundational principles to help you achieve success no matter what it is you're doing. So even if you're not an athlete, you're going to have some incredible takeaways from this episode. And I also want to keep you in the loop on two things that you get access to for being a listener of this show. I am doing a live podcast on March 15th at 2 p.m. Eastern time with David Senra, who is the host of the Founders Podcast. We are going to dive deep into entrepreneurship and history's greatest founders, and we open up the panel for you guys, the listeners, to ask us questions at the end. I am also doing another live webinar on March 23rd at 1 p.m. Eastern time, where I will be hitting on 10 foundational mindsets that will dramatically improve your life. Now, these are mindsets I've used being a professional athlete, an executive coach, and then ones that I've learned hosting the show, interviewing some of the world's most successful people. Both of those you can sign up for and register because spots are limited just by clicking the links below. All right, time to dive into this episode. I want to cover 10 essential principles that I've seen work on the field, off the field, uh, that translate really, really well. One of the best things about student athletes and athletes in general, my, in my opinion, is the ability for the skills that you've been cultivating for years to be able to translate when you continue to move on to other things in life. I think that's one of the disconnects. A lot of times I work with athletes who are transitioning out of sport into the real world. And a lot of times they think, well, I've just spent the last decade only working skills that translate to the athletic field. And a lot of the things that you've been cultivating over the years apply to whatever else it is you're doing. So don't let that be a limiting thought that, okay, I put all my attention onto athletics and maybe a lot of my schoolmates, they were only focusing on school. A lot of the things that you've been cultivating are gonna be really, really helpful. So with one of these things, I'm gonna be throwing a lot of information at you. I'll uh, try to slow down. I know I naturally speak a little bit faster. But don't try to encapsulate and, and learn all of these things, right? You're just looking for those one or two things that really strike an internal chord with you that kind of get you excited, get you fired up, um, that speak to you. That's what you're looking for. And I always find with things like this, it's helpful if you got a way to write this down, right? Because a lot of this information is going to happen. You're going to hear it. It might click. And then you move on from this and you forget it. And I know you'll have the video, but it'd be really helpful if you just have a notebook out. That way you're really dialed in and you can make sure you're getting the most out of this. Um, and then also we'll open this up at the end. We'll dive further into, into Q&A. And then I will also send you the video as well. So let's dive into this. Um, all right. So who am I? So I played lacrosse university in North Carolina. I was a team captain there. I was a two-time All-American and then a top 10 draft pick. Um, and so since then, I've really been working at the intersection of three things, elite performance, entrepreneurship, and personal development. So over the last decade, I've worked with executives being their coaches. I've been an entrepreneur, investor, and podcast host. And I've really been trying to learn from and then work with some of the world's most successful people to really decouple what they're doing well, and then how I can apply that in my own life and teach others that as well. So I've been an advisor to Inc.'s fastest growing companies. I've interviewed billionaire business titans and personally coached CEOs and executives. And what I do on my podcast, what got you there, is it's really my learning laboratory. Um, I've interviewed over 300 of highly successful people. Like I mentioned, billionaire entrepreneurs, Navy SEALs, Olympic gold medal winners. And what I'm looking for when I host those conversations is I'm looking for persistent patterns of greatness. I want to know things that work again and again across different industries, domains, and time periods. And that's what I'm going to try to bring to light today. 
things that don't only work on the field, but they work off the field, no matter what it is that you're going into. So as you go through your life, whether you're on the athletic field, you're, you're in a boardroom, anything like that, always look for those people who seem to have a little bit more knowledge on a certain thing than you do a certain domain. I'm constantly trying to learn from people better from me. And that's going to be one of the reoccurring patterns you see in some of the successful people that I'll talk about in this thing is they're constantly learning. They're constantly being a sponge. All right, let's dive into the first one. Like I said, we're going to be doing 10. So the first one is intentionality. Anytime you show up in the field, the weight room, the classroom, the boardroom, what is your intention? Why are you showing up? And what are you trying to get out of it? What are you looking to achieve, right? We, we bounce from thing to thing, but rarely do we have a hyper focus and a true understanding before we go into it, what we're trying to get out of it. Just like this webinar, you are here for a reason. So what is that reason? What are you trying to learn? What specifically are you trying to get out of it? So before entering something like this, really think about that. Spend a minute or two before just reflecting, thinking about as I enter this next scenario, what am I trying to get out of it? What is the energy I need to bring to this scenario to maximize this? Uh, like I said, I love learning from people who have conquered uh, different domains. One of those people is uh, Apollo Anton Ono. He's won more Olympic medals in the Winter Olympics than any other U.S. Olympian. And I asked him, I said, what was the differentiator for you between second place, third place, fourth place? At the cream of the crop, what is the differentiator? He said, for me, honestly, it was intention. When I stepped in the weight room or when I was on the speed track, I was so hyper-focused and dialed in on what I was trying to get out of it in that scenario. He said, I brought that to a different level and I bring that to everything else I do now. So now he's investing in companies, he's working with different startups, and he brings that type of focus and attention in every single thing he does. I've got it up here. Mediocrity lives in the land of the unfocused. And, and you see so many people constantly distracted today. Now, I'm not one of those people who say, all right, you, you can't be on social media. You can't be your phone on your phone. I love doing those things. But when you're doing that, be all freaking in on that, right? If you're on this webinar, don't have the phone pulled up. Don't have 10 different things. Be really dialed in on what you're doing. Uh, and one of the clearest examples of focus, a great story that I love is uh, Bill Gates Sr. So Bill Gates' dad, the founder of Microsoft, he had a dinner. He used to host these dinners with the really prominent people, the people who were doing massive things on the planet. So he's got them all around the dinner table. And he said, what is the one characteristic or trait that you had that made you as successful as you are? And at the same time, Bill Gates' son and Warren Buffett, they both shout focus. They understood to get to the top in anything you do, you have to have an extreme level of focus. This is an absolute game changer. And, and the way I think about focus, I kind of see it going in two different categories. So we've got either a prism or a magnifying glass. So today I see a lot of prisms happening, right? The same amount of light source can go into both. It can go into a magnifying glass and it can go into a prism. When you're focused, that energy goes into a prism. It shoots out all over the wall, right? You've got it dispersed in different colors everywhere. That's what I'm seeing now. A lot of fragmented attention, same amount of energy going into it, it goes into a magnifying glass. What happens, right? Directs the attention, directs the energy. It can light things on fire. So just understand what type of focus you need for the scenario you're going into, right? Are you going to be more of a prism? Or are you going to be an hour or a magnifying glass when you're stepping into certain scenarios? And like I said, when you're stepping into a different thing, just know what you need to bring to that and then be all freaking in on that, right? You, you see so many people who are wondering how these people who get to the, the elite elite, the best of the best, right? The, the LeBrons, right? The Bill Gates, all of these people, they have the same 24 hours in the day, but it's how they use their time. Their intentionality and focus is on a different level. All right, so the second one, 
Don't compare your behind the scenes to someone else's highlight reel. I see this again and again. We are too afraid of failing, of making mistakes, of looking bad in public that we don't allow our natural evolution and learning process to take place. I love this line by the great sports psychologist, someone who's been an incredible mentor for me. The fear of other people's opinions is one of the greatest constrictors of human potential. Think about it. How many people are unwilling to go out on a limb to look bad, to risk failing, because all they're concerned about is how other people are going to judge them. And what we forget is when we see people's highlight reels, we forget about the countless hours that went into that behind the scenes. It takes a ton of work when the lights are off. So when the lights are on, you are able to shine. And so what you end up doing when you're too afraid to look bad is you just end up staying in the safe harbor of mediocrity, right? You, you never push your limits. You never get far enough out of your comfort zone to get better. So that's a hard trade-off because you're going to stay in your comfort zone and you can never accelerate to where you can get to. So if you want to develop your skills, know that you are going to look bad at times. It's a natural evolution, right? You, you get to your limit, right? How good are you at right now? Or how, how much do you know right now? You get to that limit, you make a mistake, you fail, but you take that feedback as learning. You learn from that and you move forward and you iterate and you get better over time. And so that's a necessary understanding that in order to get better, that's going to be a natural process. So be okay with looking bad, with failing. Know that it's those countless hours going on behind the scenes so that you can shine when things get better. And one of my favorite examples of this, they did a, a scientific research paper on what made the best swimmers in the world the best swimmers. So they studied 100 different swimmers, top of the game, and they wanted to figure out really what made them different, what made them better. And it's this research paper called The Mundanity of Excellence. And the one sentence summary is the best just fell in love with the mundane, right? All of those things that wouldn't look great on Instagram or social media, that is what they were practicing. Those fundamentals, it's the same thing in the business world. You look at the best business leaders, it's funny. They keep reiterating the same vision, the same general principles, these, these things, these constants that they hone again and again. And that's really, really important. So if you want to be a great teammate on the field and off the field, allow people to fail behind the scenes. Encourage that because that means they're pushing their limits. They're trying to expand and get better. And I see it on too many team environments when someone makes a mistake or they mess up we're laughing at them. We're calling them out. And because of that, we all stay underneath our potential level because we're too afraid to push the limits. So be okay and, um, and willing to fail, to mess up and push your limits there. All right, here we go. The third one, be adaptable, right? Life is going to be 10% what happens to you and 90% how you react to it. Life is constantly going to be throwing you challenges, right? As a coach, as a player, as a startup founder, you have an unlimited number of, of headaches, of pitfalls, of failures that are going to happen. How are you going to deal with them, right? I, I know in the live feed, we have some college athletes right now. What happened a couple of years ago? Seasons got canceled, right? You battle injury, okay? You make mistakes. You have to be willing to adjust and adapt during those times, right? I work with a number of entrepreneurs. When COVID happened, their businesses almost shut down overnight, did they just say, you know what, I'm going to play the victim. I'm going to feel sorry for myself or my employees, or am I going to go on the offense here? Am I going to be adaptable? Am I going to reinvent the business model? Am I going to get strategic about what we're doing and how we're going to do that? It is all about adapting. You are either going to adapt in life and continue to iterate and get better, or you're just going to lose. So make sure you keep adapting there. All right. The fourth one, run your own race. This is one of the most important principles and one we don't talk about enough. 
you hear this on the athletic field, right? We want to play our game. We want to run our own race. The same is true when you get off the field, okay? You're going to feel pressure to run someone else's race. Run the race that only you can run. I'm talking about your unique, authentic self, right? Over the course of history, there's been about 110 billion people that have existed on planet Earth. There has never been and never will be another you. So why are you not going to let your uniqueness shine through? Let that authenticity come out in every single thing you do, right? Nobody can beat you at being you. So don't try to be someone else. Tap into your core and what you do best. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because the best, I'm talking about the best at what they do. I see them be their authentic self. Let's think about different coaches, right? We just had the Super Bowl. We've got Andy Reid, Nick Sirianni, right? Let's think about some um, some other coaches. You got to throw Bill Belichick in there. Let's go to basketball, all right? You've got uh, Steve Kerr. You've got Phil Jackson, who coached the Bulls and the Lakers. What is the commonality amongst all of them? They were all so freaking different in their coaching styles, right? Think about someone like Steve Kerr, right? Kind of more energetic, upbeat. Think about a Bill Belichick, reserve, right? Calm, almost like maniacal in his focus, right? All different, but they're unique in their own style and they let their style shine through. So whether you're a startup founder, whether you're, you're a coach, whether you're, you're a sales executive, you have to approach your craft in the way that only you can do it. Because if you want to accelerate, strength gets built on strength. Let that unique style shine through. So a few questions I like to ask myself and, and the people I'm working with to try to uncover a bit more of that authenticity. What brings you the deepest joy, right? Like what really connects with you? So if you're playing a sport, maybe it's a particular sport. What things outside of sports bring you that joy, right? What do you have a talent for? A natural talent, right? One of the lines I love is what do you do for play that other people will consider work, right? Like what do you do for play that other people kind of think is monotonous or work-like? Think about those things. And what does the world need? You need to provide a service, right? What does the world need? And then is in alignment with your deepest values. What really speaks to your core, right? Those are some of the questions I've seen that are really helpful because unfortunately, I've coached too many executives that are 15, 20 years into their career. They've achieved a tremendous amount of success, right? They've got the title. They've got the house. They've got the money that they set out to get. And then they get there and they are unsatisfied. They are unfulfilled. The last thing you want is to achieve success without fulfillment. So you need to start thinking about what you can do that is going to be unique to you, all right? We talk so much about running that race faster. I'm more concerned with what race am I going to run? What are you going to go after, all right? So the clearest example I have to show this is this is a great picture from this guy, Tim Urban, all right? So here we are. You're born here, all right? This green line is your life up until this date. All of these black lines are potential things that could have happened, right? This could have been an injury you had. Maybe you went one way or the other. Maybe you selected a different college. Maybe you went up to that girl at the bar and decided to talk with her. All of these different things were life paths. So what I am saying is you are here today. Do not limit yourself to the options in front of you. At this moment in time, you literally have an infinite number of options and possibilities of what you can create for yourself and your life. So the second you think you are out of options, remember this image. You are not. There are multiple things you can do at all times. Keep thinking about that. Keep honing in what only you can uniquely do, okay? It's a game changer. The next, relentless on the fundamentals. The best at what they do, they are voracious learners. They are students of their craft 
and they approach their fundamentals with extreme focus and intentionality, right? Uh, if you want a house of excellence, you are going to build it on a foundation of the fundamentals. Let's think about some of the best players in the world and the best people at what they do. Let's use Steph Curry from basketball. What does Steph Curry, probably the greatest shooter in NBA history, do right when he gets out on the court? Is he launching up those half-court threes? Nope. He goes underneath the basket and works on his layups. The greatest shooter of all time, he starts at the basics every single time. He knows the importance of the fundamentals. I was recently talking with a former teammate of mine. He, uh, he just finished being a Navy SEAL, and he told this amazing story about one of his SEALs commanders. This was a 20-year Navy SEAL veteran, okay? This guy was on SEAL Team 6, which is the most elite unit on the Navy SEALs. Mike was telling me about when he watched this guy go out on the gun range. Mike said this guy has fired over a million shots in his life. When he went out on the gun ring range, he brought his pistol. He loaded it with one bullet. He did his scans. He aimed, he took fire, he did his scans again, and he set down the gun. My teammate Mike was saying, he says, day one in BUD, that SEAL training, when you learn how to fire your gun, that is what we do. That exact same process, those exact same steps. This guy's a 20-year veteran. He has fired over a million bullets. And when he goes to work on his craft, he is right back there to the fundamentals, just like Steph Curry. Same thing. I'm not sure if you're going to be familiar with a football coach named Bill Walsh. He's one of the greatest football coaches of all time. He coached the 49ers. He was maniacally focused on the fundamentals, where day one, when he took over the 49ers organizations, you're thinking about he's going to be thinking about play calling and things like that. He went to the receptionist and he trained them up on how to answer the phone, a specific process, because he knew if they could answer the phone better, if they could be better to the people they're calling, then those things would get passed up the organization. So he worked on doing the little things right all the time. And that was the fundamentals. When he was coaching the wide receivers, if, if you had a 10 yard out, it wasn't nine and a half yards and out. It wasn't 10 and a half yards and out. It was 10 yards and out. He was relentless on the fundamentals. And so approach your craft by practicing the fundamentals. When you transition out of athletics, you have to concentrate on your fundamentals. What is your daily habit going to be, right? What are your routines going to be? How are you going to continue to learn? How are you going to continue to adapt? How are you going to find coaches and mentors in your own life? Focus on the fundamentals. They will pay off dividends in the long run. This next one up, this is going to be more of a tool than a specific mindset. So aim, action, attitude. This is one of the tools I use most consistently in my own life. So this is a 3A framework, all right? to redirect what I call the downward spiral. So all the downward spiral is, let's think about this, all right? You turn the ball over. Where's your next thought? Is it going to be positive or negative? It's going to be negative, right? Oh man, my teammates are judging me. And then that thought after that, what's it going to be? You're thinking, oh man, I'm not going to get on the field this next shift. Oh man, I, I can never play. I'm horrible. And you go down this downward spiral, right? Ref makes a bad call. You go palms up. All of a sudden, you're complaining to the ref. Your teammates start to complain. Your coach starts to complain. That is the downward spiral. You see this again and again when in sports. You see this again in team environments in the business world. So we need a tool to influence and redirect that downward spiral. And that's what aim, action, attitude is all about. Negative situation, thought, action happens. Okay, I turn the ball over. First A, aim. What do I want right now? right? Do I want to play worse? Do I want to turn the ball over the next time? Or do I want to fight like hell on defense to get this ball back? 
Okay. Do I want to inspire my teammates? What do I want to do? What do I want right now? So the second you feel that downward spiral begin instantaneously, think aim. What is a positive forward step you're aiming towards? That's the first thing. Next is action. What is the immediate action I can take right now in this moment that is going to get me closer to that aim, right? So I turn the ball over. What do I want? I want to hustle to be able to get that ball back on defense. So I instantly need to sprint back on defense, get low with my hips and shuffle my feet, right? What is the action you can take? And what we found out is that when you start to behave, when you act in a certain matter, it reshapes your emotion and your attitude. So because of that, because I took aim at something positive, I took immediate action on it, my attitude gets diverted. So when you're working with, with team members, if you're a coach, you will see this again and again. Your teammates, they start to spiral, immediately get them thinking positive towards the to forward progress. What is the action they can take? And all of a sudden, you see that attitude start to spiral up. So this is a great one to get control over your emotions. Use this on the teams you're in, okay? Aim, action, attitude. Here we go. High standards are contagious, all right? Amazon founder Jeff Bezos, he wrote this in his 1997 shareholder letter. He said, high standards are contagious. When you bring a new person into a high standards team, they're going to adapt. But the opposite is also true. Low standards can prevail. I've seen this in countless teams I've been a part of, both on the athletic field and in the business world, right? High standards are going to be contagious. You get a great core of, of leaders. So I'm talking about the captains on the team. I'm talking about the best at their positions. I'm talking about the startup founders. All right. When you get people with high standards who have an incredibly high standard in themselves and let that come through in their actions, instantaneously, the entire group is going to raise their own personal standards. Okay. Same is true of negative, right? I'm sure we've had those, those cancerous type teammates that are constantly negative. They don't want to do the extra work. They don't want to put in the work. And what happens? That cancer starts to spread amongst the team. So high standards are crucial in the groups you're a part of. You want to be highly attuned to this. So you're probably wondering, why do I have a picture of Kobe Bryant here? So I was watching a documentary about the 2008 Olympic basketball team. They're called the Redeem Team, okay? It's a year or two before the Olympics are going to happen, all right? Everyone's in Vegas. That's where their training camp is. Don't ask me why they had a training camp in Vegas, but they did. So the entire team is out at the club one night and the team's coming back to the club. It's right around 4 a.m. So they're walking through the hotel lobby at 4 a.m. All right. Remember, they're stumbling back from the club. Elevator doors open. Guess who steps off the elevator? Kobe Bryant. He's got his, his workout gloves on. He's got his basketball shoes. It's 4 a.m. and Kobe Bryant is going to the gym while the entire team is coming back from the club. I bring this story up because what do you think happened the next day? LeBron James and Dwayne Wade, they were in the weight room with Kobe at 4 a.m. They said, you know what? That guy's the best player on the planet. I like his standards. I like what he's doing. He's chasing greatness. I'm going to chase greatness as well. Doesn't end there. By Friday of that week, the entire team is at the gym for involuntary workouts before their practice. They are getting the extra reps in. High standards are contagious on the athletic field, in the business room. Set a higher standard on yourself and then bring that standard to everything that you do. Next up, self-awareness is a superpower, okay? You need to understand what's going to put you in your peak performance state and what knocks you out of it, right? The, the Greeks said it 2,500 years ago, know thyself. You have to understand yourself 
in order to maximize yourself, okay? You can't get the most out of yourself if you don't know yourself. So there are little things that you can do. You need to start spending some time in solitude, reflecting, really asking yourself some challenging questions, analyzing your failures and your successes. Start to uncover what makes you unique, what makes you tick, because when you start to understand these things, you can perform and you can show up better. So self-awareness is crucial, all right? You're wondering, how does this translate? So I was interviewing Howard Marks. Howard Marks is the founder and managing part, partner of Oak Tree Capital. He manages $170 billion with a B. He's one of the most powerful people on Wall Street. And I asked him, what is the most important thing to be a great investor? And he said, it is know thyself. You have to understand your emotions. You have to understand your trigger points, where you're weak at, where your blind spots are. This is something you constantly are working on over time. You're getting a deeper understanding of who you are at your core, how you tick, how you operate, put in the work now. The sooner you do it, and right now it can begin, it is going to pay off massive dividends into the future. So self-awareness is key. All right, here we go. Number nine, who do you have to become to achieve all that you want? All right, we all have different goals and aspirations, but too often we don't actually look at our goal and say, you know what? Am I willing to become the person who is capable of achieving that, right? If I'm part of a team and you say, you know what, we want to win the championship this year. Are we willing to do the work, the work that's required and necessary to be a championship team? All right, you have to think about it. These are deep internal questions. All right, set goals, set lofty aspirations, but then ask yourself, are you willing to put in the work and become the type of person who is capable of achieving those things? This is a crucial thing you always want to think about, all right? Who do you have to become to achieve all that you want? All right, the 10th one, the toughest competitor you will face is yourself. This really is a daily battle, and I'm not joking. This is the toughest competition you will ever face. We, we always have that lesser evil, that, that lesser version of ourselves who's sitting on our shoulder, right? Who's trying to get us to, to go with the easy choice, you know, do, do the easy thing instead of the meaningful thing, instead of putting in the work, right? Instead of lacing up those running shoes, we just want to stay in our bed. That little devil is never leading us. It is a constant daily battle, but it is a battle we can keep winning and make positive momentum on over time by showing up, by doing the work, by getting little wins against that little devil, all right? One of the, the easiest examples and my favorite example of this is from the ancient Greeks. They have this word arete. I actually have it engraved on one of my bracelets because it's one of the words I try to think about most often. So arete essentially means excellence or being the best version of yourself in each and every moment. Not when you feel like it, but in each and every moment, all right? It's a standard you set for yourself and then you back that up with your behavior and your actions, all right? This is what you need to be in pursuit of, winning that battle against yourself every single day, right? We are continually expanding, getting better, growing, and developing in this life. What I'm trying to do is I'm trying to become the best possible Sean Delaney I can become, and that is what I want for you as well. Don't compete against other people. You are competing against yourself. You are trying to find what your potential is, where your limits are, and then keep pushing past them. That is what I hope for you. So as you go out in whatever it is you're doing from the athletic field to the real world and the business world, find out where your limits are, keep pushing them, keep being in competition against yourself. All right, I appreciate you guys tuning in for this. We're gonna open this up to questions here in a second. 
You can shoot me an email, Sean at whatgotyouthere.com. I am more than happy to dive deeper on some of these topics, talk more about athletics, transitions to the business world, anything like that that you guys have questions on, feel free to shoot me an email. Also, if you do not register, if you're on the live link for this, send me an email. I will send you the recording of this webinar so you can go back. You can find everything I do at whatgotyouthere.com. That's where I host my podcast. I've got a ton of learning resources there of different tools, and you can contact me if you ever want to work with me. All right, so I appreciate you guys jumping into this today. I will open this up if you guys want to have a conversation and dive deeper on this. Let's see. So does anyone have any questions, anything that I can dive deeper on that you just want to hear about? Um, anything like that, just let me know and we can dive into it. We can both shoot them in the Q&A, in the questions or you guys can unmute yourselves right now and you can ask some questions. So any questions, any follow-up questions from that? Yeah, Tom, what do you got? Um, hi, Sean, this is great, thank you. I'm just thinking about the, the aim, action, attitude. Um, you know, you talked about making a bad play and, um, you know, turning the attitude around. I'm, I'm curious if you've, as it relates to off the field, have, do you have any experience with maybe, you know, you're, you're not getting playing time or, you know, you, I think you were a midfielder, let's say you're on a team and, and you're on the third midfield and you're, you're kind of, maybe you're not connecting with the coach strategies to, you know, for, for athletes to focus and stay positive and work through, um, you know, what can be challenging times being cut from a team or, or not being a starter. You know, we all go through this in life, how to stay positive and, and keep working on improving your potential when you're not getting the playing time that you, you might think you deserve. Tom, this is beautiful. It's obvious how deeply you've thought about this and how much you care to be able to ask a question like this. So I really think about this in two different ways. And I've got direct experience from this. Um, like I mentioned, got to play at the pinnacle, but I didn't start at the pinnacle, right? Like day one at North Carolina. I can tell you one thing, I sure as hell was not a starter. I actually came in as an attackman and I had to transition. So I think about this in two different ways. One is that ancient Greek word, arte. I mentioned that's on my bracelet. What is, is the personal standard you're holding for yourself, right? What, what, what are you thinking about? How good do you want to be? How do you want to show up in each and every environment, in each and every moment? So that was a standard I held, held for myself. So you said, so I said, you know what? I might not be a starter, but I'm telling you one thing. I'm going to work my ass off in this environment every single day to be the best version I can possibly be for myself, for my teammates, all right? So we were preparing for Duke spring break of my freshman year, I was still playing attack and I was on the scout team. They had me pretending I was being Matt Donowski, who was one of the best players in the country. You know what I did? I literally studied every single game tape I could of Matt Donowski that entire week. So when I showed up in practice, even though I was barely going to play that game, I was going to show up and compete exactly how Matt Donowski was going to compete. I looked at all of his different moves, his footwork, what he did with his stick, his shooting angles, and I took personal accountability to being the best version of myself for myself and for my teammates in that moment. That was the first thing, all right? What is the standard you're going to hold to yourself and show up with that? The second one is I am responsible in each and every moment for the energy that I am going to bring to this environment. I am responsible for bringing the energy that I need to perform at my best. And so what I mean by that, Tom, is we can play victim mentality, right? I'm not going to play this game, so who cares? All, all those starters, I'm better than anyway, whatever. Screw this. I'm just going to sit on the sideline here and sulk. You want to be a great teammate? 
I'm going to cheer like freaking hell. My freshman year of high school, I wasn't on varsity. I got pulled up for playoffs, okay? I was not going to play at all, at all for the playoffs, okay? And in the games that mattered. But you know what I did? I cheered my ass off, all right? I knew that I had to be the, the motivator, the encourager for our starters, okay? Timeouts called. You're damn right I've got a water bottle in my hand because I'm trying to do the best possible thing I can do in this moment by bringing the energy I need to be at my best, okay? We do not want to play the victim in life, all right? There is always going to be a time someone is going to be better than us. We are going to be on the bench, and you have to ask yourself these deep internal questions, okay? What is the best version of yourself? How are you going to show up like that version? And are you going to bring the energy that you need to perform at your best for yourself and for your teammates? So was that helpful for you? Did that answer your question? Uh, absolutely. Thank you for that. Yeah. All right. Chris just shot, at what point is paying attention to detail a distraction? Wait, at what point is paying attention to detail a distraction from hard work? Uh, am I reading that right, Chris? I'm going to unmute you. Just Can you ask that question? Yes. Yeah, so I'm wondering, at what point is paying attention to the small details, like making your bed and doing the small things, a distraction from the hard work that's necessary to be successful, like actually going to practice, waking up and, uh, and doing the things that are necessary for athletes. I think what coach Bill Walsh is getting here, and you mentioned making your bed. So I'm assuming you're referring to uh, Admiral William McRaven. I think it's his book. Um, I could be wrong on that about making your bed. The first thing he does in the morning is make his bed. And what I think they are doing is they are setting a standard of excellence for themselves. I do the little things with extreme execution and effort. And I show up in them because they know, like I was saying, excellence get built on the foundation of the fundamentals. If I show up with those things, doing it correctly, then I am much more likely to do all of these other things correctly. And with this, this extreme focus and this effort. And so one of the ways this plays off in the sport world, because this, this is a tough thing, right? We have to narrow, we have to narrow our attention and understand what's important, right? Uh, Greg McEwen has that book, Essentialism. At all times, you're asking, is this essential? Is, is this a high leverage activity? Is this the most important thing I can do? And, and so try to tie this together. There was a, a the British racing team. This was in the early uh, 2000s. And so what they did, they, they brought a new coach in. So the British racing team hadn't won a championship. I think it was in over 50 years. So their new coach came in and he literally got hyper-focused on every single little thing, attention to detail. It was a 1% improvement over time. And so he literally focused on everything, okay, about the rider's helmet, about the bed they were going to sleep in, about the environment they were going to sleep in, because he knew all of these little things. If they got better and they improved on those little things over time, they would compound in a big and meaningful way. And it was something like two years they started to win the, the world championship, and they had the players racing um, the best they've ever raced in that entire country because they focused on the little things. So to kind of encapsulate, because I know I threw a lot at you right there, all right? The little things, doing them well and doing them right is about setting a standard of excellence for yourself every single day, okay? You can't let these little things go by. It's like Steph Curry. Steph Curry can't hit half-court threes unless he works on his layups and his fundamentals. So that's the first thing, right? So you're going to build that base. Then you also need to be thinking, what is essential? You're not putting all your time and effort and energy towards the things that don't matter, that aren't consequential. So you have to zoom out. You have to be able to reflect, right? Self-awareness. You have to know what matters, what is high leverage, and what I need to be putting that type of attention and detail towards. Does that help answer your question? 
Yes, that's perfect. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Remember, you get access to two exclusive opportunities. The first is I'm hosting a live Q&A podcast with David Senra on March 15th at 2 p.m. Eastern time. And then I'm also hosting another live webinar on March 23rd at 1 p.m. Eastern time where I'll dive into 10 foundational mindsets that can transform your life. Can't wait to see you there.